Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. In a follow-up to last week's episode about subscription genealogy record websites, my guest today is Yvette Arts, Director of Content Partnerships at WorldVitalRecords.com. She's going to tell us about the exciting things going on at the website and what you can expect to see in 2009. We have a large newspaper selection, um, and we have another almost a, a little over a billion names coming from newspapers between now and January. We are going to rename World Vital Records as FamilyLink.com under the Family Link um, umbrella of our different companies. And the reason why we're doing that is Paul's uh, goal is have innovative tools to connect families. We've partnered with FamilySearch.org, where we're working with their Family History Catalog, which is the largest database oh, yeah. of material, genealogical material and referencing. And we're putting a lot of um, Web 2.0 features there. So I think that that will be, that's probably the biggest thing coming that will help genealogists in the field. And when we add those social networking tools to that reference library, it will be the largest reference collection that people will be able to find online and find connections to material that they never would have had access to before. Then in our second segment, we're going to help you along on your own genealogy journey. In today's show, we're going to look at websites where you can find free genealogy records. But first up, my conversation with Yvette Arts of WorldVitalRecords.com. Hall at FGS in Philadelphia, and I'm with Yvette Arts, and she's from World Vital Records. Welcome, Yvette. Thank you, Lisa. It's nice to meet you, and nice to have this opportunity to talk about World Vital Records. Absolutely. Maybe you could just start out with a brief introduction about where to find you and what you guys are about. Great. We've been online for just a little bit less than two years, and we have a little over 10,000 databases and about 1.3 million, a billion names. We better say billion with a B. <laughs> and what's coming up is that we have about 1.5 billion names in our pipeline. So between now and January, we'll be uploading that content. And uh, we're really excited to be in the market. We have a lot of great partners that are familiar with many people, like Anna Clan, British Origins, Find My Pass, Genealogical Publishing Company, Immigrant Ships Transcribers Guild, and I could go on. Well, and you've mentioned a lot of really interesting partners who have maybe something that definitely goes beyond the census records. So tell us what kinds of records that um, they can currently find and maybe what we can look forward to in the future. Wonderful. What I think that many people would be interested in that they don't know that we have is we have a large Australian collection. Oh, um, I have a lot of Australian listeners. This oh, is wonderful. Oh, good. <laughs> um, we just worked with uh, Alan Phillips from Archive CD Books and Gold Genealogy in Australia, and he's been working with many partners down there, and we have a lot of his material up, and we're gaining a lot more of that material. So a large Australian database. We may even break off and have, we plan on doing an Australia website where people can just access that content. We are amassing a large Canadian collection of 
of newspapers and vital records. Um, we do have a lot more than just vital records. We have a large newspaper selection, um, and we have another almost a, a little over a billion names coming from newspapers between now and January. Most of it's Canadian and Latin America, with um, smatterings of U.S., U.K., Belgium, Netherlands, and uh, some Australian newspapers. Uh, we also are putting up some indexes that will point people to material that they may not find anywhere else, but it's in our global search. And so when they look at our global search, they can find those names, and we link to our partners who have that material, and then we just send them to their site. Fantastic. So you're a great portal for records that you may not have, but you can certainly point them in the certainly right direction. We want to point them in the right direction. Our CEO is uh, really determined to give greater access to records. Um, he... Paul Allen, he was one of the co-founders of Ancestry.com and has since um, left Ancestry and decided to develop another site that would have implementation of social networking tools. Um, we're working on those. That will be in our new website, which is coming out um, in mid-October. And people will be able to see some of those implementations of the social networking tools that we're currently using on Facebook in our We're, we're Related app. Now, that app has a little over 5 million users, and we just barely launched it last October. So in less than a year, we've been able to amass that many users. And we're pretty pleased with that. They use that application for GEDCOM files, for photos, for keeping in contact with family members. Well, you mentioned Paul Allen, and I know that he blogged not too long ago about Facebook and probably in terms of we relate. He is so excited about Facebook and, and the applications that can be put on there. So. Well, I noticed that, I, I mean, I've been on there for over a year, and it was very kind of quiet in genealogy circles, but once Paul got out there with the blog and talked it up, it's exploded. It's exploded. We now have Dick Eastman on there. You can see Dear Myrtle. Um, we uh, and a lot of other members who have invited each other. Um, Bo from Bo Scarborough from Footnote has invited a lot of people, so we're pretty glad that it's now exploded and that that market has made it to Facebook. You know what I've really enjoyed about that is that um, because there's been some question about well, what exactly are we doing out here on Facebook? Yeah. And the the We Relate app is um, a neat way to still pursue the genealogy side of things, but I'm finding that it also is really facilitating just getting to meet people. Like I'm actually seeing people here at FGS that I yes. met on Facebook, and it's like, oh, you know, and it really kind of breaks down those barriers. So how is that going to expand on World Bottle Records? You said that uh, you might be doing more with that in terms of social networking. We are. Um, we are going to rename World Vital Records as FamilyLink.com under the Family Link umbrella of our different companies. And the reason why we're doing that is Paul's uh, goal is have innovative tools to connect families. The whole reason why he wanted to have the data was to be able for families to be connected. So the tools, the social networking tools, will be helping people do just that. Like you said, you're able to meet people and identify with people that you otherwise wouldn't know because you, you, don't have, you wouldn't have the tools online to do that. But um, these social networking tools will allow them to have access to family members or to experts that have information about family members or lines so there's no duplication of effort in genealogy. So that, those are some of the reasons why Paul wants to implement that with our data site. And so does that change your focus? How does that, um, that kind of putting that energy into that side of things, does that change or affect the record side of things? It affects the record side of things in a great way because it allows people to have greater access to those records and how to use that data. 
um, Paul didn't want to have a site that was strictly just data, like we have right now, because many people don't know how to use that data. But if we can, if people can tag that data or annotate that data and say, this is where I found this family line, or if people are searching for, say, they're searching for the the Cohans or the the um, you know the Smuans or the Binans or whatever kind of name that may not be um, so readily available um, on the web, they can point have um, resources annotated where people can find those resources. So a way to have access to data and use that data to connect families. And so that's the whole reason why we're doing this new implementation. And is there anything that you feel like stands out that's going to differentiate Family Link when it goes into the social networking? Because there are so many options, and there's only so many apps and emails that we can all handle in that one day. So, so how does... What should persuade us to come here and say, I think this is going to be my hub? I think the, the value that we bring is that we're bringing aboard so many valued partners. And we bring their resources to us and, and us to them, where we link to them, and where people will be able to, in one place, be able to find the information that they need. And if they don't find it there, they will know where they need to go. And... Uh, and with our success with our application on Facebook, we know that that can be duplicated. And as we add more resources, people will know that that's a place to come to start connecting. Great. And so as we're looking to the future, you're talking about an October 2008 launch of uh, the new site. It'll be under the Family Link banner. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else new coming down the pipeline to keep our eyes on? Oh, yes. We've partnered with FamilySearch.org, where we're working with their Family History Catalog, which is the largest database oh, yes. of material, genealogical material and referencing. And we're putting a lot of um, Web 2.0 features there where people can um, add material to it, people can add source authority, people can um, connect to some of their work that may be in that in the data or know where people can find some of this obscure data. So I think that that will be, that's probably the biggest thing coming that will help genealogists in the field. And when we add those social networking tools to that reference library, it will be the largest reference collection that people will be able to find online and find connections to material that they never would have had access to before. Wow. And, and finally, I'm wondering, we're sitting here in the exhibit hall at FGS, uh, people from all over the country as well as the world, and um, what are you finding are the questions and what are you finding are the things that are catching their interests about what you guys are doing here? Well, we, we find that many of the society memberships are dying out. The member, not the members are dying out. Well, some of them are passing away, but the, 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 the interest in the societies is waning. Yeah. Um, they're looking for some sort of online component or some way to keep the membership alive, to keep access to the data and be able to still have a steady stream of revenue that allows them to continue their work of publication, continue their work of providing materials. And so many of them are looking to people like us who um, who want to extend the genealogy to the online market and to, and to the social networking system to keep it alive, keep that membership alive. Because people no longer, you know, may make it to a library or go to a society and purchase that publication for $10 because they don't know that the, society, that the thing that they need may be with that society. So I think that um, part of what we bring to the table is we're helping keep some of the, this content and membership alive by providing these resources. So that's exciting. It's not that the Internet is going to um, cause societies to go away. It's more no. that the societies have to learn to harness what's available and how to integrate into it. Yeah. To help them um, 
bring value for their members because that's the whole reason why they exist. You know, they want exactly. to help their members, and the members in turn pay revenue to them so they can have these benefits of the society. But a lot of these benefits are no longer benefits to them anymore because they can find those benefits elsewhere. So if we partner with some of these societies, they're able to, to provide the benefits that people need. Fantastic. Thank you, Ben. It was so nice to meet you. I've seen you on the website, and uh, we'll have some links in the show notes for this episode so that listeners can go over and check you guys out. Thanks again. Appreciate it. We're back, and I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook, and this is the place in the show where we give you the tools to successfully research your family history. In our last episode, we reviewed the largest genealogy records websites that are paid subscriptions or pay-per-view access to their vast record collections, but not all online records cost money, and some of the records offered on the paid websites can also be found online for free. Now, while there are tons of websites out there that may have some free records on them, I'm going to cover my current top five choices for the best and largest sources for free genealogical records on the Internet. These will certainly give you plenty to keep you busy for quite a while. Website number one is FamilySearch at FamilySearch.org. FamilySearch.org is a nonprofit service sponsored by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the most commonly asked question about the site and the records held by the LDS Church is, do you have to be a member to use them? And the answer is absolutely not, because the church's family history efforts are funded by charitable donations. It freely offers its resources to anybody interested in finding their family roots. So they encourage everyone to find their ancestors and preserve their family histories. The church has been actively gathering and preserving genealogical records worldwide for over a hundred years. So this means there are tons of records out there just waiting to be found. Now you can start right away from the homepage where you'll find the basic search fields. I like using the advanced search and you'll find a link to that right next to the search button. And here you can hone in on the person and the type of record that you're looking for. Don't think of it as you have to be an advanced researcher to use the advanced search. Just think of it as the best way to advance your search. So you should just jump right in and use the advanced search. So let's talk about the kinds of records that we're going to find on this website. If you look to the left-hand column, you'll see a listing of their record collections. And these include census records, vital records such as birth, marriage, and death. There's the U.S. Social Security Death Index, which we talked about at length in episode number four. And you'll have access to the records and pedigree charts posted by church members, which could very possibly include some of your ancestors. Now, we'll go more in depth into these collections in future episodes as we focus in on each record type. But you can certainly play around with the various searches now and kind of see what you can find. Now, while the church is making a heroic effort to digitize all of their holdings, right now, much of what you'll find on the website are transcriptions from records, which are going to help you quite a bit. But you'll also find the microfilm number 
from which the record came so that you can order it for a pretty small fee from the LDS Family History Center or library near you. Now, it takes a week or two to receive the film, but then you can go through the record and the microfilm and actually find it and see it for yourself. Website number two is the U.S. National Archives Records Administration, more commonly referred to as NARA, which describes itself as the nation's records keeper. And you'll find NARA at the archives.gov website. Of all the documents and materials created in the course of business conducted by the U.S. federal government, only about 1 to 3 percent are deemed so important for legal or historical reasons that they're kept forever. And that job is carried out by the National Archives. And that is a very good thing for genealogists indeed. Now, as you know, the National Archives is a keeper of documents critical to our country, uh, like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But they also care for the records of the general public, such as military records for those who have fought for our country, naturalization records of the immigrants that have come here, and even the canceled check for the purchase of Alaska. So as citizens, we have a right to access the essential documentation of the rights of American citizens and the actions of our government, and NARA makes that happen. While just a fraction of their holdings are available for viewing online, you can use their website to figure out exactly what they have, uh, which NARA location uh, the record is held in, and how to access it. And in fact, they have a section on their website devoted to the genealogists and family historians, which is right up our alley. As it says right on the homepage of the family history section, because the records at the National Archives come from every branch of the federal government, almost all Americans can find themselves, their ancestors, or their community in the archives. Knowing how a person interacted with the government is key to a successful search. Ah, remember what we talked about before? Anytime we interact or our ancestors interacted with the government, records are generated. So NARA is going to be a source that you'll find yourself going back to again and again. So check the genealogy section out for yourself at archives.gov slash genealogy. Pay close attention to the area called What You Can Do on this website. There you will get a good idea of how to search the site and determine where the records are located. Since NARA is run by the government, they aren't in the business of investing the kind of money that it would take to digitize all of their records so that they can be made available online. But thankfully, they do partner with genealogy companies who are in that business, such as Footnote.com. Footnote is still in the early stages of digitizing NARA's records, I mean, the possible records that could be scanned are absolutely mind-boggling. <laughs> they do, however, focus their efforts on records that will be of particular interest to family historians. So if you find something in the NARA catalog that you want, and you're not feeling particularly patient to get your hands on it at a NARA location, then check footnote.com and see if, by chance, they have the records. Footnote is another subscription website, so again, you'll want to evaluate the value that you'll be getting for your money. But depending on where you are in your research, uh, it may be a very good investment for you. Website number three is ellisisland.org. You know, from 1892 
through 1924, more than 22 million immigrants, passengers, and crew members came through Ellis Island in the Port of New York. And the ship companies that transported these passengers kept detailed passenger lists called ship manifests. If one of your ancestors immigrated to America during that time frame, then ellisisland.org website is for you. Though the records that they hold are obviously narrow in scope, they are comprehensive and they're free. And I got to say that finding my first passenger list was just about one of the most exciting moments in all of my family history research. There's a wealth of information on these passenger lists. And if you're lucky, the name and address of your ancestors' contact in the old country will be one of those nuggets. And you don't have to stop at the passenger list. EllisIsland.org also has images of the ships that unloaded its human cargo at Ellis Island so that you can see the actual ship that your ancestor traveled on. In addition to the fantastic collection of digitized records, you can learn a whole lot about what your ancestors went through by exploring the Immigrant Experience pages, where you'll find firsthand immigrant stories and an interactive immigration timeline called The Peopling of America. Now, website number four takes us overseas to the National Archives of the United Kingdom at nationalarchives.gov.uk. Since America's roots run back to England, it is very likely that at some point your family's roots will lead you there as well. And that's where the National Archives comes in. It's a first-class resource for free genealogical records. As they put it on their website, they offer a 1,000 years of U.K. government information from parchment to websites. You'll find quick links on the homepage to lots of great records, birth, marriage, and deaths, census records, citizenship and naturalization, divorce, passenger lists, wills, and a vast array of research guides for just about every topic that you could imagine. And there is an entire section devoted to family history, and I'll have a link directly to that area in the show notes for this episode, number eight. Here are just some examples of what you might find. Now, when I click on search the archives and type in a county name in England and an ancestor's name, I got back results that included a reference to court records from legal cases. And in my case, the actual digitized images weren't available, but it told me what the case was about, when it occurred, which in this case was back in 1852, and where I could find the records today. And for this particular record, it sent me back to the Cambridgeshire County Record Office, Huntington. And it gives me a link, which takes me to a page giving me all the contact information I need to reach that county office to find out how to obtain copies or view the records for myself. Pretty darn efficient. Now, in the case of the birth, marriage, and death register, you can access the actual digitized records right from the website, but it will cost you some money. Basic search is free. An advanced search is one credit, which costs you 50p, which is about a dollar. And the cost to view a full record online is five credits for two and a half pounds or about five dollars. So while it sounds a bit expensive, it's instant gratification and a copy of the actual document versus waiting weeks and paying international postage. So if you have British ancestry, this is a site that you're going to want to explore. 
And finally, website number five is the Library and Archives Canada at collectionscanada.gc.ca. Even if you don't have ancestors from Canada, there is a very good chance that they came to America by way of Canada. And for that reason alone, the Library and Archives Canada is a great resource. You'll find the Quebec City Passenger List Index covering the years 1865 through 1900, as well as a fascinating section called Moving Here, Staying Here, the Canadian Immigrant Experience. Now, the place to start is their Canadian Genealogy Center, and you'll find a link to that on the right-hand side of their homepage. Now, here you're going to find information and links for the most popular types of records, strategies on how to locate things within the website, and those research guides to research in Canada. You can access digitized copies of actual census records and passenger lists. Now, keep in mind that one of the biggest challenges in accessing the Archives Canada digitized records is that they often lack searchable indexes. And that means that you really have to know a lot of specific information before you can realistically find your ancestor in those records. But thankfully, there are a wide variety of sources to find what you need, and the website provides lots of great tips for finding the information so that you can then locate the right record. Another unique type of record that you might find on the website is Canadian border crossings. Again, being such a close neighbor to the U.S., your ancestors, like mine did, particularly if they lived in the most northern states, might have actually traveled back and forth and you might find records there. So there you have it, five great websites that will provide you some great records. And of course, there are free records hidden all over the Internet. And two of the best websites for finding those records are Cindy's List at cindyslist.com and the U.S. GenWeb Project website. So let's say that you want to find railroad records. And uh, you just head over to Cindy's List at C-Y-N-D-I-S list.com and type railroads in the search box. And you're going to get a bunch of links to websites that have genealogical information about railroads. Search by subject or browse the alphabetical listings. If it's out there, you are probably going to find a link to those records on Cindy's List. And if you are looking for records in a certain U.S. location, such as a county, then the volunteer-run U.S. Gen website is the place to go. And you'll find that at usgenweb.org. Search by state, uh, then by county. Because so many records are stored at the county level, it makes a lot of sense that they organize this site by county and state. Each county has a volunteer coordinator who maintains a web page for that county within the U.S. Gen website. And people from all over the country and really all over the world can contribute information that they have. So each county website is a little different, but all of them strive to help point you in the direction of the records for that county. Or better yet, provide those records right there from the site. I found everything from naturalization records to city directories to newspaper articles about my ancestors on the U.S. Gen websites, and it's all free. And as you get further along in your research, consider sharing some of your resources with the county coordinator for that county so that they can help make those resources available to others. 
For example, I bought a very old city directory on eBay, and for now I've pretty much found all the ancestors I can find in it. So I emailed the coordinator for that particular county, and I told them that I'd be happy to do lookups for other people who might have ancestors listed in the directory. So they post an email link to me, and occasionally I get a request to look someone up. And I got to tell you, it's very rewarding to help someone find the person that they're looking for. Almost as good as finding your own. And lastly, I've got three great tips for you to get your hands on many of the paid records that we've talked about in the last episode for free. Tip number one, ask your local library if they have Ancestry.com. Many public libraries have a free library version of Ancestry's U.S. records collection. And if your local library doesn't, check with the reference librarian to find out if that library is part of a larger library system that does have it. In the state of California, where I live, you can obtain a library card for any public library in the state. A lot of people don't realize that. So even though my county libraries don't have Ancestry, the library in the next county, which is really just a few miles away over the county line, they do have it. So I just got myself a free library card at that branch. And in some cases, you can actually access it online from home. So be sure and ask. Tip number two, uh, many subscription databases are available to use for free at the LDS Church's Family History Centers. The quickest way to find a center t- near you is to go to FamilySearch.org and click on the Library drop-down menu and select Family History Centers. Then just enter your town and your state. The dates and times of operation can vary, so be sure and call before you visit to find out the specific details. You'll find the staff to be really kind and very helpful, and there will be computers there for you to use to log on to their subscription websites and search for free. (laughs) Be sure and bring a flash drive with you to save files and maybe a couple of dollars to pay for copies if you want to print out the records that you do find. And tip number three is a downloadable chart from Family Tree Magazine at FamilyTreeMagazine.com, appropriately titled, free access to pay websites. I will have a link directly to the chart, which lists a number of record collections available on subscription websites and where you can find them for free on other websites. It will require a bit of hunting around on your part, but it will get you started very inexpensively. So armed with some of the best subscription websites and a handful of terrific free resources, you are ready to really make headway and unlock the keys to your family history. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com. 
or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.